Hello and welcome along to a very special AV Forums podcast. Uh, joining me on this edition is Steve Withers. Hello, everybody. And joining us on the podcast today is Dave Casey from DTS. Dave, thank you very much for your time and coming along onto the podcast. Um, lots of questions from us and from our members about DTSX. But before we get into that, perhaps you can give us a little bit of, about yourself and your role at DTS. Yeah, you bet. Uh, so I uh, have worked with DTS for many, many years now. Um, and my role has been uh, to bring our new codec program to market. And so I got to be a part of this program back when it was in the uh, R&D stage. And then now it's very fun to be a part of the program as we bring it to market and actually show all of the things we have provisioned into the format um, uh, as we start talking about it publicly. So for the, the layman out there, exactly what is DTSX? Yeah, uh, so DTSX is our next generation audio format. So uh, if you got to know DTS uh, back in the sta- d- days of DTS HD Master Audio, uh, this is, uh, is the predecessor to that. So it, it actually uh, is the next generation of format that allows us to create a truly immersive experience. Where DTS HD Master Audio was a 7.1 format. DTS-X is an object-based audio format, so we're no longer counting in channels. DTS-X is actually a departure from channels in that we um, are able to add three-dimensional coordinates to each audio object. And the benefit of that is we can now render audio objects to any speaker layout. And so any speaker layout can be anywhere from stereo all the way up to as many as uh, the device or the manufacturer supports on their specific decoder. Okay, so it's an interesting technology. Obviously, there are competing systems out there, which we'll come on to in a little while. But how do you see this being delivered in the home? Because when you mention you know, immersive audio speakers, height speakers, ceiling speakers that other formats are mentioning, you then run into the, the wife acceptance factor or the partner acceptance factor in the home. So how is DTS going to be delivered? Yeah, absolutely. So DTS is really focused on giving that immersive sound, but doing it in a way that's flexible enough that uh, more people can be a part of that immersive experience. So uh, I mean, we, we all live in homes that have walls and doors and windows and potted plants and things that don't allow you to do your ideal surround setup. And so part of the provisioning for DTSX was to add that extra level of flexibility. So if you think about um, object-based audio and its ability to represent audio in a three-dimensional space, part of that is then translating that I- ideal three-dimensional space into a uh, Uh, someone's home and the speakers they actually have laid out in their home. And so um, we uh, will continue to roll out products with manufacturers that add that added level of flexibility because we know not everyone can hang up 11 speakers in their home. Before we get onto the speaker configuration and how people will have their speakers in their home, the delivery system, it will be Blu-ray and it will be within the current master audio format. Is that correct? Yeah, that's where you'll start to see DTSX content. So, uh, because DTS has always built our audio formats in layers, we're able to deliver backwards compatibility at those different layers. And so, if you have a receiver that's you know ten years old, you might only play back the uh, our what we call our core, uh, the DTS digital surround. But if you play back uh, uh, that same disc on something that's 
you know, from last year, you might get the uh, HD master audio experience. And then if you play back the exact same disc uh, this year on a new AVR from, um, you know, one of the manufacturers we've listed in our press release, uh, you will get the full DTS-X experience. Dave, you mentioned briefly uh, speaker configuration. Now, there are two other um, competing immersive audio formats available. There's obviously Dolby Atmos, which again is object-based, but in the home uses um, an up to 7.1.4 configuration, so seven surround speakers, a subwoofer, and four overhead speakers. Or there's Auro 3D, which uses um, a, a five or seven channel surround system plus uh, the addition of four or five height speakers, and then an overhead uh, voice of God speaker. So they have very definite speaker configurations within their um, um, formats. Now, with DTSX, how will it work in terms of speaker placement and speaker configuration in the home? So we rem- we, uh, the way our renderer works is we, th- we create a virtual hemisphere. If you imagine something kind of a dome over the listening position, and we can place speakers anywhere on that dome. And those speaker positions can uh, overlap um, other manufacturers' speaker positions as well. So uh, the advantage is coming in as the more flexible of the formats. We can say whatever speaker format fits your house will adapt to that. And if you want to cater to someone else's speaker layout um, and then in the setup menu tell DTS, yep, this is the layout I've chosen, we'll run with it. We're good with that. Okay, because in my home theater at home, I've, I've got uh, a 7.1.4 setup at the moment. So I've got four overhead speakers. Um, does that mean then that if um, I get a, a DTS-X enabled receiver, I can actually use that speaker configuration with DTS-X? Absolutely, yeah. You talk about um, creating a, a sound hemisphere. What's the minimum number of speakers you could use then in order to create a, a sort of a, an immersive um, 3D audio experience? Um, we've given this some thought and really we think of immersive and this next generation of audio is really about not just having the surround in a horizontal plane around you, but being able to take advantage of some of the height effects. And so I would say, you know, the starter system is probably a 5.1 system with, uh, maybe two heights, uh, probably recommended in front of you because since more, more of the, uh, effects become kind of height effects above and in front. Also, when you do set up, uh, well, currently at least, when you set up, uh, say, an Atmos uh, configuration or an Aura configuration at home with a receiver, I've got both at home as, as it happens on a, on a Denon receiver. The um, Obviously, you need to specify speaker configuration and location. And um, that's, you know, I know everyone talks about object-based audio. Dolby have said something very similar. It's, you know, it's object-based. It's not channel-based. But when it comes down to it in the home, you do have to have a certain number of channels. There's no way around that. So... Um, in terms of implementing it in the home, I mean, are you still tied to the need for a set number of channels? I mean, or, or can you basically move away from that now? Well, you're translating um, these audio objects and the, through a process we call rendering. So rendering is taking either uh, channel-based beds and objects or a combination of a combination of both of those. It could just be objects. It could be just uh, immersive channel layouts. And you... Uh, create a channel output based on that. So it's this process of rendering the immersive audio field into the speaker layout that you desire, the consumer wants in in their home. And 
when that happens, you, you're limited, obviously, by the physical number of amplifiers in a system and the amount of DSP that's in there to decode the proper number of channels. Obviously, the more channels you um, extract out of that immersive mix, uh, the more overhead a system might have to have. And so you'll see receivers in uh, 2015 rolling out, um, supporting only seven outputs for the 5.1.2 layouts uh, I mentioned up to 11.1, and I'm sure we'll see more than that uh, in the future for these, uh, these guys who want to... Is there a maximum really number of channels? There's really not, uh, because we are taking a soundscape. We're taking something that is um, truly uh, a hemisphere of sound, and we're mapping that to the available number of channels. And so uh, part of our announcement uh, two weeks ago was DTS-X will be available in the cinema. And in the cinema, uh, we're using an MDA technology as the underlying foundation, which is our open royalty-free standard. Uh, and that really exposes the flexibility and the scalability of what object-based audio can do. Uh, we have theater installs that do up to 50-plus channels um, of, of uh, actual speaker output. So it's, it's quite dynamic, and that's not the limit. Um, so I, I guess uh, your, your imagination and your pocketbook will really be your limit. Just a, a, a question here then about the setup and the room and the speaker configuration and so on. How does DTSX know where the speakers are in the room? What, what input does the end user have to put in uh, for DTSX to then figure out, well, that speaker's five feet away from the listening position, that one's 15 feet away? How does it actually do it? Yeah, good question. Um, so right now, uh, that is something that we look to manufacturers to handle. So um, they currently have their usual setups, uh, either an on-screen menu where uh, consumers describe their layout a little bit. Uh, they might have a microphone that ships with an AVR. Uh, we have uh, 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 systems that allow other capture methods. Uh, we have an app-based method uh, that we haven't deployed yet, um, so stay tuned for those sorts of things in the future. Um, but right now, we really look to manufacturers, um, uh, and so that that's a handoff that we're, we take from uh, a particular manufacturer's uh, system-level uh, information without going too deep into it. So, for example, say that manufacturer has a third-party EQ system that uses a microphone to say where everything is. You can extrapolate that data for DTSX. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah. So it's basically something that the manufacturer hands us. They, they've already done the measurements uh, and or the third-party um, uh, EQ system has done the measurements and said this speaker is this far away. And some of them even provide um, at what angle. And so now we're starting to get really close to you know, the grand vision of that ultimate simple setup. Excellent. So you mentioned the manufacturer handing stuff off. Which manufacturers are actually on board and supporting your rollout? Uh, so we've got uh, Denon, Integra, Marantz, Onkyo, Outlaw, Pioneer, Steinway, Lingdorf, uh, Theta Digital, Trenov, and Yamaha uh, have all announced uh, different uh, AVR models or sound processor uh, models uh, coming in 2015. I think the earliest ones will start to arrive kind of, uh, we'll see mid, mid-summer. It's all well and good having a new audio format, having support for manufacturers, but if you haven't got any content to listen in that format, it becomes somewhat meaningless. So I guess the key question is, 
What about studio support and, and movies with DTSX soundtracks? Yeah, so that uh, is all in the works. We have um, our teams um, working with different studios to make sure they're comfortable. We're, we're, we're at a point where we're asking the industry to change and take a major paradigm shift into the world of object-based audio. And so uh, that requires some retooling uh, all the way through the workflow. Um, and part of that retooling has been us working with these studios and hearing the feedback that, Right now, the way they work in, uh, in surround sound and multi-channel surround sound is that they're able to use their tools, digital audio workstations, and they're able to export just wave files that represent that multi-channel mix and work, work the whole um, process uh, with these open wave files. We realize that to help the transition of object-based audio we needed to uh, provide tools in that same open manner that um, uh, wave files represent today. Um, so we've introduced MDA, which is our open object uh, format. So that's a royalty-free format that uh, has been submitted for to SMPTE for standardization. And now the advantage of uh, MDA is that is going to be a, kind of the equivalent of PCM audio plus metadata. So the studios will start working in this open format. They already have tools from DTS to start working in it. Because it's open, we expect many other uh, tools manufacturers to jump on board. We've already announced uh, a couple in the, uh, uh, in the press release two weeks ago. And so we are engaged with the studios right now at that level where they're starting to do mixes and the announcements will follow shortly. So I'm not worried about the content side of the rollout at this point. Um, uh, it's always a chicken and the egg uh, uh, scenario where um, studios will be reluctant to um, start producing movies in a format until the decoders are in market. Uh, and so since we now have the commitment from the decoder side, um, content will start to flow. Obviously, Dave, we're making the assumption that Blu-ray is going to be the uh, the launch of DTSX, but I guess the longer roadmap has to be streaming services, which appear to be the future. Yep, uh, yeah, I think the we'll we'll see that transition long term. Um, right now, the industry is at a point where. Uh, the, the TV screens are starting to, or monitors are starting to do the transition to 4K. And those who are enthusiasts about home theaters, I think, are lining up to figure out what the right display is and what the right audio pairing is for 4K um, and what the right content sources are for 4K. And so I think shorter term, we're going to see BD and or Blu-ray and uh, then 4K Blu-ray uh, serve that market need where you really are looking for high quality content. Blu-ray will be your source of that, or and the 4K uh, predecessor to Blu-ray. But you're absolutely right. Longer term streaming is where the mass market will will sit. Uh, DTSX is poised to be there. Um, DTSX is actually um, not just one codec. It, it's a it's a um, package of multiple codecs that can do lossless for Blu-ray, and that's obviously very high bitrate, uh, all the way down to low bitrate lossy solutions. Um, and when you're doing that, you're still calling the same um, engines for rendering and all of the metadata processes. And so the advantage of that is we can deliver a very similar experience across many different platforms. 
obviously at the moment for Blu-ray, it, um, you have quite a success with DTS Master Audio being on, I think it's something like 80-something percent of the, the released feature films are in the DTS Master Audio format. Is that correct? Something around those figures? Yeah, I think last count we were actually up in the 90% uh, um, on a quarter-by-quarter quarter basis. But yeah, it's uh, um, we definitely... Um, are, are proud to be the uh, the main audio format on most Blu-ray releases at this point. So does that give you the momentum then to to really push the immersive DTSX forward because you you already have that platform that market share there to to really push this forward? Uh, absolutely, and I think it's more about um, how we earn that market share. We have tools that fill the needs of the content creators. And we have a product. We're, we're delivering their product um, bit exact to the original. And so uh, DTS became, became a trusted name uh, in that workflow, and we will continue to do that. And so what's nice is we have those relationships, uh, and we're able to leverage that trust as we introduce these new tools to deliver the more immersive experiences. And just Popping back quickly, I know it's not really your your remit, the cinema side of things, but um, you did mention that DTSX is moving back to the cinema. Um, my understanding is that DTS, the cinema arm of DTS, was actually sold and and that became DataSat. Is that correct? So this move back to the cinema is that separate from the DataSat side of things? Is it? It is. Uh, so uh, I I don't remember what year it was that uh, DataSat was uh, divested from DTS, uh, but essentially. Our move back towards cinema now is very focused on providing the um, the technology portion of this bit. Uh, this used to be a hardware play where we would supply all of the different hardware stuff, and that's obviously what Datasat is known for. Um, and now what we're able to do is offer things like the standard uh, that we've submitted, this the open spec uh, of MDA. Um, to this empty process, we're able to create tools. We're able to work with theater owners to um, make sure that their the performance of a particular theater meets a specification. Uh, so uh, we're able to approach the market in a different way than we approached it in the past. I guess the final question we've got is: Why do you believe that DTSX is better than the other immersive audio formats that we've already mentioned? DTSX is built on a true object-based platform. And so because of that, it allows the flexibility going forward to simplify kind of that room setup experience. We can fit more people's audio um, needs. DTSX also brings other um, functionality that we haven't talked about yet, like dialogue control. If you imagine sending audio objects kind of as separate entities in a mix, dialogue can be one of those separate entities. And with DTSX decoding, you're able to actually, as a consumer, grab the handle of the dialogue and raise it in situations where you might be uh, struggling to hear something. Um, imagine yourself listening you know, quietly at night or in a noisy environment. Uh, you're able to take just the handle on the dialogue and, and boost that. We will also be able to take uh, non-DTS soundtracks and sort of up-res them to a DTSX experience? We have a spatial renderer in the system that will take 5.1 and 7.1 content and remap it to you know, 9.1, 11.1, however many channels you've attached to your system. 
So we've got all the information to hand now. Thank you very much for your time, Dave, in, in answering these questions. So the last thing is that when should our members start seeing DTS uh, hardware and software appearing? I'm picturing midsummer. That's when I'm uh, saving my pennies up to, to <laughs> buy my first system. Well, thank you very much for your time. It is appreciated. And uh, we look forward to sampling DTSX uh, in the late summer. Very good. Thank you, guys. And that wraps up this special edition of the AV Forums podcast. Don't forget, we're back every Wednesday for the weekly podcast. And you can also catch the Games podcast on the 14th of every month. So he was Steve Withers. And he was Phil Hinton. And we'll see you again very soon for another special AV Forums podcast. (laughs) 